Welcome back. Welcome back to the Radio Podcast. I'm Tom Casadega. Joined as always by the host of this some bitch, Greg O'Gray. Greg, how the hell are you doing today? Uh doing all right, man. Uh, little somber, little optimistic. Um, sidebar. Um, I don't know. Well, I kind of know. Um, about a couple weeks ago, I was scrolling through the Netflix and finally watched that uh the the confession tapes of John Wayne Gacy thing. And like I've heard the name before, didn't know the story. Oh yeah. And it was holy shit. And that took me and has taken me down this very sort of uncomfortable wormhole where like I just been watching docs and listening to podcasts like serial killer podcast and cult podcast. So like I've heard the name Ted Bundy before, and then they had a confessions tapes, uh, green river killer. I, I thought there was nothing more vile than that. And it seems like a lot of these docs and guys, you like, you're, you're almost like, there's no way that somebody can, can like be worse. And it's like, hold my beer. Watch. And I finally watched the stuff with Dahmer because Dahmer's been like pop culture reference. And I've always been like, the fuck does that mean? And now I do. And it's, yeah. And I just, <laughs> like, I finally tapped out after, the, after this morning at work. I listened to the Jim Jones, Jonestown Colt one. And fuck, man. I, so it just kind of ties into the, the fucking shit we got going on today kind of just what the fuck just what the fuck and I didn't know how I should feel that I was that deep in the vortex (laughs) watching all that shit I, I don't know if I was just amazed at how much chaos ensued in this country like like it took me everywhere took me to Ted Bundy Green River Killer Dahmer BTK hillside stranglers the the stuff that happened in like the 70s in los angeles i it's like what the fuck is going on talking the summer of sam that is up next on on the netflix list and i'm like i'm trying to like so good bring myself back to reality and i've watched like f is for family for like for pretty much the fifth time to just feel laughter again because it's been kind of dark and grim for the past week or so because <laughs> it's listen to all the docs i've listened to like three different podcasts on shit i'm like i'm like what the fuck is wrong with me <laughs> i'm like jesus serial killer vortex man serial <laughs> killer cult vortex i'm like what just happened to me <laughs> and i'm like yeah. i'm like you know what i'm gonna pull myself out of, out of it today listen to some wrestling and basketball podcasts and stuff that happened yesterday happened. And it just immediately just took my knees out. I don't know if we're going to start there or not or get it out of the way, but just. Yeah, yeah. there's no, there's, we have a few topics to talk about today, but uh, for a minute we'll talk and wrestling doesn't matter when we're about to talk about this. No, yesterday there was a, yesterday there was that, mass shooting at that school in texas for those who don't know i mean i'm pretty sure everybody knows by this point and 
Ray, you heard the same reports. It was all elementary school kids. At first, we heard first and second grade, and then we heard second, fourth grade. And it doesn't matter really what grade, to be honest with you. It matters no. that it was a bunch of innocent children. You know what I mean? So many of them kids got up that morning and, you know, had their cereal and watched their favorite cartoon and got on the bus to never say goodbye to their mom or dad again. And I could never imagine that pain that, that the families are feeling at this point after that. I read a report that they had a bunch of the parents in a firehouse down the road from the school. And as your kid was marked safe, they were calling you out and like reuniting you with your kid. And, you know, oh. and they said, as the parents dwindled down, you heard the screams from the road. Like that's, you know what I mean? That's how loud they were. The remaining parents that were left were informed, like, you know, hey, I'm sorry, you know. And I read that and I was like, oh my God, could you like that unsure feeling? Because it's not like they're in high school to where they have mm. like cell phones even or anything. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, that unsure feeling is such a terrible thing to even begin with, let alone it be that serious of a situation. I feel for every single one of them families. I do. I, uh, I do. I, especially being a father, it, 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 you know what I mean? Like I could never, I could never want to send my kid to school. You know what I mean? Like it, what the hell's wrong with the world today? Like, like I, I text you last night as I, what the hell is wrong with this country? You know, like, it seems like there's a school shooting every other day, some sort of mass shooting every other day. You know what I mean? People are dying for no reason. There's just so much corruption and we can go more and more into it, but that's not what we're talking about today. Mm. We're talking about that mass shooting yesterday in Texas with them children. And it's just something has to change. There has to be some sort of gun control. There has to be some sort of change for our future, for our children ahead of us, you know, for the people, for the people's lives that are going to be impacted forever by this. You get what I mean? Yeah. That something has to change for the better, for something with guns has to be done. And I, I, long gone are the days of being able to teach your son about a rifle like watching a uh, John Wayne movie and you know kids don't want to be cowboys anymore and, and you know no what offense, I'm trying to say like, no offense they have access to Google and YouTube like how do you do blank and exactly it's taking a very dark turn um they say bad things happen in threes and it, it's you had the shooting at a grocery store in in Buffalo with elderly black people, the Asian American churchgoers in Southern California, and then this. I like there's gotta be someone with a decent moral compass and on Capitol Hill to really push that HR eight background check thing and and just kind of 
attempt to stop the bleeding on this. Yeah. Like, and like, I know a lot of people and I work with a decent amount of people that love their guns and their second amendment rights. I get it. It's a very old antiquated amendment, but whatever, teach their own. As long as, as long as you're not doing stupid shit like this, whatever. But like this, this isn't, this isn't good, man. Like this isn't right. Like you're telling me elderly people can't go grocery shopping on like a weekend. You're telling me people can't go to a church where it's supposed to be safe in like a sanctuary. Again, I'm not the most religious guy, but that's supposed to be a safe place. In yep. elementary school where kids are not to make a pun or a joke, but they're probably learning how to write fucking cursive and they're yeah. not safe. Like, when is enough's enough? Like, when is it going to be like, maybe we need to reevaluate this because this is getting out of hand. And I think I saw somewhere like the number of mass shootings, like quadruples, like war written countries. And it, I, it's fucking ridiculous. And I don't know what this weird obsession is with these caliber of weapons, but it's clearly doing a lot more bad than it is good but me and you again like we can go down the vortex wormhole someday that we all know what's kind of uh powering this train to keep on going and it's rather disgusting yep i couldn't have said that better to be honest with you i I will say this, it's insane to me that the government's so ready to regulate, you know, a woman's body and what they can do with their rights and everything like that. I was just about to hit that. I was like, they're all about taking away. Yeah, but they won't touch a fucking gun. So, I mean, that really shows you what really matters to them. The same government that, you know, pleads and, you know, begs for people to sign up for their military to go and fight for them are the ones that do the most corrupt shit and they try to do things, you know, like control a woman's body, you know, change, you know, rules and rights for gay and trans people and non-binary people and all that different things. There's so many shady things that are all happening that when these things happen, like these mass shootings with these kids, the government really has no answers other than, oh, pray. Pray for us. Yeah, pray for us. What the fuck is a prayer going to do for an innocent child that lost their life right now? Sorry. I'm, I Maybe some people can, you know, find comfort and prayer in the Lord that way. But I, 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 I couldn't. I, I couldn't. I, what would a prayer do other than kind of just irritate me more you get what i'm trying to say to you that's the best that's the best they got yeah Yeah. like what the fuck you know do some gun regulation stricter background checks so a lot of these very unstable people don't and i know and i i already know that the mental health swerve is coming 
which me and you have spoken, we are both pro for mental health and getting it taken care of. But this in this realm, it's not just that. It's lack of gun control and just letting anybody be John Rambo or someone from the fucking Expendables and live out their like Call of Duty Warzone fantasy. Like, like that exactly has nothing, right. to, nothing to do with the mental health. Like it, 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 there's, there's a small percentage of it, but it comes back to you aren't regulating a very dangerous thing. You're just letting anybody get their hands on any of these high power weapons. And it shit like this happens to really innocent people in innocent places at random times with no rhyme or reason other than other than something as minuscule as I was bullied as a kid and I listened to such and such music and I thought I could be this vigilant, like just like on the surface shit that doesn't validate any of that behavior. None. None. I. Nah. You know that, and like <laughs> I, I feel weird asking you this, but I just have to because it's been on my head throughout the day. Like when shit like this hits the light with you, and Tommy's not in school yet. Does like this give like you and and Kate like heightened anxiety or reservations about sending him to like? any form of educational school and like does that turn you into that like hyperbolic parent that wants to like hyper control and homeschool their kid and like pretty much have them under like surveillance 24 7 because of shit like this is there any thimble of hope with you guys that it won't be like that by like the time tommy's ready like 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 what exactly is the thinking process for for like you and kate when you guys hear shit like this, because obviously you guys are parents. It's like, like relatively new parents. It's actually one of the scariest things in the world. And actually when that, when the news came out about the shooting, when I texted you, um, I even said that to you. I said uh, something along the lines of that. Something like that. I said, uh, you know, this stuff constantly happening makes me want to homeschool Tommy. And that's literally how I feel. Yeah. Um, I'm sure my wife feels the same way. We, you know, we've spoke about it, but I don't know. Like it was more of in a, I, I want I don't want to say frantic state, but it was in more of a talking about a brand new uh, story. You know, she was kind of worked up. She was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. She's more relaxed on that. You know what I mean? Like, I could see her being optimistic to, oh, you know, um, it's okay because this area is different. And, you know, being positive. Me, on the other hand, I just, I don't know. I, I would need to see, like, proof that things changed. And I don't know. I That's something that me and my wife would have to talk to more about when that, you know, came, obviously. But with with Tommy being my uh, my only son, it's more of 
it's scary because it's that exact unknown, exactly what all them parents are feeling in Texas right now. Exactly what, you know, all, I, I mean, Sandy Hook and, you know, any time a parent's lost a kid, it's exactly what that feeling is. Or anytime uh, a parent has let their kid go out with their friends and they end up not coming home. It's the feeling of the nerves of, oh, hey, we're going out to this you know, swimming hole in this river to swim. No, I don't want you really to go and do that because what if you drowned? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Especially if you really can't swim, you can't be on these, you know what I mean? Like different things like that. I, uh, I could see myself being more of the stricter parent until I'm able to see that like, oh, my child does understand this a little bit better when they're older for me to loosen the reins. And that's only out of like scarce love. Because I don't know where my life would be if something happened, if, you know, one of my kids were in the, like, a, a school shooting, you know? I um, I don't know what that would ever do. I That's something I don't even, like, really to think about, to be honest with you. But, like, your question was about, you know, homeschooling and everything like that and keeping them under lock and key and having the tracking devices on the cell phone type of thing yeah in today's day and age you kind of have to be that type of parent until something's different you have to be like i just said long gone are the days of being able to go out until the street lights come on and coming home and being just okay i i compare growing up when i was even younger compared to nowadays it's just so different you know what i mean yeah. like the growing up and like stuff was a hell of a lot different you know like when you're able to stay outside and it's there's no cell phones or nothing like that and it's summertime and junior friends and you're hanging out down the road and the street lights come on you know you have to go home i just uh You can't do that nowadays. No. At least it seems like it's God no. I wouldn't be able to let my kid do that nowadays. I, I have to make that clear. Like my my dad and mom were like okay with letting that happen when I was young because the neighborhood we lived in, we knew a bunch of people and this, that, and the third, and there was like a group of us kids and whatever. But it was also because times were different. And you didn't have those random shootings and, you know, disappearing children. I mean, yeah, you had kids that, you know, got kidnapped and stuff, but you really didn't have to worry about that as much as, you know, nowadays. Murders and just the, it's insane how guns just came on so strong in the past, like 20 years, we'll say. Into like, into like every nook and cranny, though. Like, just everybody, it seems like, (laughs) 
has a gun and they want to either have these big stupid assault rifles or they have handguns and they're running around with them trying to play and it's stupid do i think it kind of stems from our government even maybe scaring people to thinking like oh my god we're on the verge of like this big you know civil war or something along those lines or you know something like that yeah maybe sort of yeah there's like a part of that that factors into that we've talked a little bit about that um but ultimately something needs to be done about gun control because you can't have that many guns just out and about on the prowl like i tying it back to where we were you can't have that many guns out without some sort of filter process to make sure these mass shootings don't continue to happen yeah i completely agree i it's like at some point like like when is enough enough when is it time to really like listen to the people listen to the masses and like really look at the collateral damage and just go with the track record on on this shit like I, I hate using this term because because it's such a sentimental spot in history, but like the like trail of tears and and you know what I mean and, and bodies that yep. that are left. It's just like 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 no offense, like is that not is that not enough to like be like we really need to fix some of this because this is this this doesn't look good. But America's supposed to be like land of the free, you know, home of the brave, the the great, you know, all that stuff. Americans really don't have the best reputation that they think they do. Unfortunately, we don't. No. <laughs> and it, it's, I don't know. It's it's sad, honest to God, man. It because growing up, uh, America was, you know, like the top country. You know that. And it's, yeah, it's taken a very unique turn over, like, I'll be kind of mild and generous the past, like, 10 years, for sure. There's a lot of just bad stank on our country. It, it And it seems like if it doesn't profit certain things, it doesn't fucking matter. And that's really disgusting. And that, yeah, that's the bad thing, you know. I mean, there's no other way to transition out of this except you probably heard it from numerous news outlets and people from NBA coach Steve Kerr to probably a bunch of other activists and people in the forefront. Like, when are they going to do something? When will something be done? Something has to be done. And we just can't become numb to this shit and be like, oh, it happened again? Okay, like that's not acceptable. But that's kind of the strange place we're in right now. And that should be even more disturbing. That that like we, over time, just become numb to it and just be like, oh, it's just another. Yeah, it's just another. Like, like there shouldn't be another or at least one to fucking begin with there you go that's exactly what needed said i (laughs) it's 
terrible that it be like you said it's just yeah you rack it up as oh it's just another one it shouldn't just be another one because those are all people's lives that mattered those are all families that were impacted the you know the the moms and dads who lost you know their children the brothers and sisters who lost their sibling you know the the grandchildren you know like we can go on and on Unfortunately, I, I, I don't want to sound that way, but I no. don't think we sh- should dwell too much longer on the show. No, you know, we don't no, wanna, I, I, I think we kind of we don't want to take it any more political or any sounding deeper than where we're going. Yeah. So I think on that note, we're going to change it over to the wrestling world. Yeah, where brighten we're known, things up a little bit. Try to brighten things, things up a little bit things that we're more a little bit more educated to talk about on this podcast we'll say because that's one thing i'll say about the government they sure can make laws about certain things but only the things they want to make laws about well if they're so good at making laws make some fucking gun laws thank you couldn't have said it better myself so on that note um I've seen many different things come about with the Sasha and Naomi thing. Uh, they said it looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then reports that like Sasha might be done with wrestling altogether. And then just random things when their contracts are up because their contracts are coming to an end soon. <clears throat> but then you have the whole thing that WWE can freeze their contracts. So then what? You know, um, what do you think's really happening? That is the $64,000 question. I don't know. Like, all of it is very strained. Um, I know the contracts are coming up in like two or three months. Um, I'm just going to blur it out because it, it it's the only thing that'll make sense here. I'm nothing against Sasha Banks. I love Sasha Banks. There's unfortunately a, a track record of this happening. Not her working out, but her wanting to walk away. Vince says, go home, take a break. Because Vince realizes Sasha's license to print money. He's not stupid. And you know, you know, she's she's spoken out on like her mental health recently and being in the business and how that's a slippery slope of shit with her. Um, I don't want to see her go, obviously, because she brings a lot to our our favorite world, I guess. But at the same time, she's like one of the very few in in like today's climate that can walk away and be fine, if not better off, because of the Mandalorian and the rumors in the, the, not rumors, I guess, the buzz going around that based off the Mandalorian, they're probably going to do a couple more spinoffs and one of her, and I believe her character is up for one of the spinoffs. I've never watched the Mandalorian because the Star Wars story thing is so congested and confusing. I just tap out. Um, But like, but like if Sasha really wanted to just be done, She's fine. Like she has she has Disney Lucas films 
patiently waiting. Where Naomi, I'm sure she'd be okay, but she's not as she's not as well off her street as Sasha. I mean, sure, she could, you know, take on like a a lesser stress life and start a family and you know do like the I, it sounds crazy, but like the simpler things in life. But it's not, but but like it's not like Naomi can walk away and have a lucrative plan B. You know what I'm saying? So, and I I think WWE. I think I said this last week on their docs in their docu series and through the threads of their shows throughout the years, they've always had this narrative of if you go against the office, that's what makes you get over. That's what makes you separate from yourself. So that narrative's always been out there. So now it happens and now it's an issue. It's just very conflicting. And my heart of heart says Vince isn't going to let Sasha walk. He's just not. He may be frustrated and pissed off and irritated to no end because Sasha's one of a very select few that have no qualms about standing up to Vince, which is probably why Vince likes her, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to let that particular cash cow leave, especially in this weird financial state of flux that WWE's in. They're making a ton of money, and they're regardless if they don't admit it or not, they're trying to fucking sell this thing. And and I don't think he will want Naomi to walk because of the, the social ramifications. And I know this is like a small tidbit thing, but the family she's married into, I don't think, like, the family she's married into is going to come into play here because you're going to want to keep them happy. And yes, I know a couple of them have not made some wise decisions over the years, but clearly they're invested in them. Yeah, but they're invested in their license to print money and they're oh, yeah. a large part of your most successful financial growth in a quarter or a year, <laughs> all that shit. So I think they'll be back and it's going to be murky waters and all to get, get to the wrestling aspect of it. They really just need to abolish those tag titles. I thought about this after our last episode and it's nothing against women's wrestling, obviously, but the WWE women's tag titles haven't really meant anything except for two other occasions. Sasha Bailey during the pandemic Thunderdome when like they were like, one of the couple of rising promising reasons and stars during that pandemic Thunderdome era when like they had all the gold and the, and the iconics. Other than that, it's been just blah, makeshift, let's put them together teams. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't have any prestige or cachet there. There have been multiple teams that like we've wanted to see, kind of carry the load and it just hasn't happened, but we've only had any real substance or champions of substance two times. And that was the Iconics, what, three, four years ago? And Sasha and Bailey during a pandemic, no fan Thunderdome era. 
So it it's just time to abolish the titles because you don't have the depth to even muster a well, real tag division and make it mean anything. I mean, they, they do, but it's the whole thing. They're all young. They're all down in NXT 2.0. There's, there's a nice little, like, Oh yeah, you know, death but, of a roster. Even in like on the the main roster, you could reunite Carmella and Zelina and stuff. But there, how many times are we going to want to see that? And that's where you get into. Or, or no offense, they, how many they, tag teams featuring Shayna Baszler can she possibly go through? Natalia, the same thing. Same, like, and that's like where like they're at now. They're working re- together, revolving door. Yeah, and. and I, I thought I, the original plan for the titles was to be on all three shows, but the NXT gets a women's tag title. So now that there's a, a monkey wrench in that. Yep, a whole women's tag division. So that's a whole, yeah, that's a, hello. Yeah, like you said, if there's a whole wrench into that. I'm not sure if that happened because of the pandemic or whatnot. And that's where ultimately I was getting to is that they, they did. They backed themselves into a hole of just, now what? They took the belts off of Sasha and Naomi and they announced this tournament. What are they going to have? Like eight teams? Yeah, or even maybe four teams, a four-team tournament. Yeah, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's uh, Even if you do and you bring up all these different random NXT 2.0 girls, what are you going to have? Kind of like Diamond Mind or Toxic Attraction. But now like, you have like, to go and introduce all these people like, oh, these are from NXT 2.0. And then it's just, it marks your water. Because like you just said, they have their own tag division. That shows you that they don't have the depth. So it's either you're going to call them up or you're not. Ultimately, like I said, they back themselves into the hole of the what if, of the what now, you know, it's just. They fired everybody else, and now that they don't really have anything, like you were saying, yeah, and it's not good. No. Not good. I hate to sound like rude against anybody who's working hard, but creative just doesn't do good and leaves nothing for these poor girls out there trying to work. I'm trying to bust their ass and, like, same thing applies with Same the men's thing. tag 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 division. Lack of depth, so now they're going to unify it. But so we're going to unify the men's tag titles to have what we've been having for the past what two months. The same four teams in like rotation on both shows. So Raider, RK Bro, Alpha Academy, Street Profits, and Usos. Like and and again, like this pains me. But the New Day have fallen off the grid. No one's really going to be invested in this UK Oliver Twist group faction thing with Seamus Holland and I'm going to say Pete Dunn. I, my, my, my fucking stomach cannot say Butch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't. And everything else, like, it, it, it just shows that the old cliche or perception that WWE just doesn't care about tag teams is ringing in pretty strong recently. And it's showing on television. Then you add this to add to the fire. Yeah. It doesn't vote well. Like there, like, like, believe it or not folks, there was a time where, where their tag team wrestling was 
the best in the world, arguably. And mm-hmm. it has completely fallen off a cliff. And I, I'm starting to think that they really don't care that much. <laughs> it's like, remember how bad it was? Like, what was that, like 2011 when they first did that? When they unified the belts the first yeah. time? Because they didn't have enough people. And then they went and signed a whole bunch of people and tag teams and like people like Gallus and Anderson and Hardys. And now everybody's all gone and they had all these different sets of belts. They need to just, yeah, like you said, get one set of titles and call it a day. And just like not in the brand split, but just merge the oh, two. Oh, I think they, they need like, to. Which I, which I mean, we're more than likely heading down that road because of, again, just lack of depth. Because they've let, essentially, they've let the depth walk over to to the other side. And now the other side has so much depth, they don't know what the fuck to do with it. You're exactly right about that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, as far as that goes, I, I think the more... This is like well, this is like a page six like controversy kind of thing. Like, like I just think the more shit unfolds, the nastier the narrative in the story is gonna be. Like I like I don't see anything salvageable in in the near future. Like 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 I feel like this is gonna drag out for a good fucking while. And that's not good because that's not fair to us as fans, which should be the top priority, but Unfortunately, it's not. Who beats Roman? Who beats the Usos at this point? You know what I, I mean? They're they're booking them so strong. They're yeah. like they're giving Roman everything he wanted. They're giving the Usos everything they wanted. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm loving it because I've been waiting for this for Roman for so long. The Usos are, I guess, been steady soldiers. Just you know. Despite some shit, they're gonna have to build or elevate a couple of people. I'm hoping for one, but I don't want them to do it so soon. I think, obviously, based on his return and the way that he's been repackaged and presented, Cody's probably in those crosshairs, but they're running into another wrench in the operation of when do you pull that trigger? Because Money in the Bank is way too soon. SummerSlam is a possibility. But then how does that tie in to the, what is it, Rumble at the Castle and Cardiff show? And then how does that get to what all of us have heard, all of us hope, and also what makes the most sense at next year's WrestleMania, which is, Rock faces Roman is obviously the end game here, but are they going to do the end game where that doesn't need the title or a title? Rock and Roman don't need a belt. I yeah, I'm 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 totally there with you. So they got to find a way to slowly, slowly like take at least one of the titles off, which we would assume would be the WWE title. So Raw could have a regular champion on their regular show because Theory's doing a good job, but that that's a lot to ask. Like a, a, a prodigy that's not even 25 yet to be like the 
to use Carmelo Hayes' term, the A champion on the flagship show because, because the main champion essentially is not there all the time. And it's probably not yeah. going to be there all, all the time and, and very much well-deserved. Like This past Roman, Monday. Like Roman has earned that, like, I guess, pseudo-Brock schedule. He's fucking earned it. He's fucking earned it. But yeah, they back themselves into the corner by giving him that, though. His taking away the title this past Monday on Raw, there was nothing of substance on Raw. They That's had a what countdown I heard. for they had a countdown for Cody Clock. Like what? which again comes back to the way that they're presenting and repackaging him. Clearly, there's a big plan for Cody. I just don't think they know. They haven't navigated where this big plan's going, but clearly there's a big plan for them. They just don't know where, where it's heading and when when's the right time to kind of pop the confetti, I guess. Like, obviously, Money in the Bank is, what, next week or a couple weeks or a month from now. The SummerSlam's in middle of July and not August. And then Labor Day weekend, it's the the big massive show in Wales. And then it kind of goes back to the, I guess, traditional schedule. Because I highly doubt that Survivor Series is going to be a stadium show just because of the time of the year and all the stadiums that they would want wouldn't be available because, unfortunately, it's fucking football season. Hold on a minute. You, um, You messed up. We have Hell in a Cell coming up. Okay. Like that's coming up like like a week or two, right? Or next uh, week? A few weeks. Yeah. No. Uh, this weekend we have Double or Nothing, and then I think two weeks is Hell in a Cell. Okay. Um, but then 4th of July weekend is Money in the Bank in Las Vegas. And then, oh, shit. Yeah. Usually, like, the last weekend of summer is usually SummerSlam, like, yeah. August something. You know what I mean? But then where do you go from there? Like, yeah, like you said, where do you go from there? Um, because I'm going to assume that they're going to want to do something big for that Cardiff show because well, they're no, adding I, it I, into the, they're adding that to the rotation. I don't. And I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing. I think it's just going to be a one-off this year. I... They're going to have McIntyre fight Roman and he's going to fucking lose or he might get like he might challenge only for the WWE title. And that's where they take one belt off of Roman to please the UK crowd. So yeah, there's no riot or something. Yeah, yeah but so I, don't, I don't see anything like um, anybody else anything else other than McIntyre and Roman at this point, because it's happening too soon. You can't go and hurry up and, you know what I'm trying to say with Helena cell and the feuds that they have now, and they've already been on SmackDown doing the whole McIntyre and bloodline thing with RK bro. And I, it just seems like that's where they're headed in all directions is McIntyre and Roman. That's just my opinion, though. You know what I mean? No, I'm, 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 I, I'm totally there, like with you, lock and step. That, like, 
I'm hoping that Battle at the Castle doesn't become some major fixture. This is just like the traditional WWE random UK pay-per-view. And since they're doing things on such a grander scale, they actually got a, a big fucking stadium to do a show in over there. And the end game over there is always to send to send our well, fellow UK fans home happy. That's yeah, that well, that, that's the whole thing. As soon as they even announced this show before they even announced what it was, that fucking stadium had triple of the uh it had so many pre-registers for the tickets. It was triple the amount of seats that were in the stadium. And, and they uh, had to turn and, people away. And they did. And that's what it was. It was whoever was in line first got to buy their tickets first and then such and such down the line. And it sold out that quick before even announcing anything or any kind of match or you know anything like that. So, I mean, like, it's... Remember they did the Super Showdown in... Australia, Australia. you know what I mean? And then they, uh, of course, they do the Saudi Arabia shows, but essentially it's just one of those, like a glorified big overseas house show that's on pay-per-view now. Now they have the revenue and the money to not do those type of shows like um, Capital Carnage and Rebellion and shit. Now it's an actual pay-per-view that actually means something. Yeah. They'll follow the storylines. They'll do the, you know what I mean? Compared to back then when they would go over and do those uh, UK exclusive pay-per-views. Do you remember that? Yes. Well, see, and, like, we, and like they would kind of do threads of I mean? story, but then it would be like kind of not. The main event would be like a fucking, a throwaway world title match or a six-man tag match with like, uh, Taker, Rock, and Austin versus like Triple H, uh, Angle, and Booker T, or something. You know what I mean? Like it was always something like live eventage. Yes, there was always that over live event feel. Like it was like a glorified live event. And I, I really think that Australian show was solely to put the Iconics over with the women's title. And and Murphy. Oh, well, I forgot about the Murphy thing. Fuck, because of the Cruiserweight division. Yeah. But yeah, they got that pop. They got the iconic pop. They got to make all that money off Triple H and uh, Undertaker. And then that was it. They got their money out of Australia for doing that you know, deal that they had with them. And then they were like, peace, dog. <laughs> Nobody really remembers that shit. Yeah, they. you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just... Uh, I just... I don't know why everybody expects something so big and different from WWE until I see regularly different. I won't be surprised by anything that they're doing. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much People the same are throwing all like, like I've been some like YouTube videos and stuff that I watch. And some of the people I listen to put like all their eggs in these like, baskets of what's going to happen for this UK show because they're over in the UK and I'm listening to them and I can't help it but everything they say I'm just kind of like yeah I don't know if that's going to happen you know what I mean like uh, except for the McIntyre thing that's the main thing over all of this like I don't see that show becoming a regularly show and I don't see it being a big deal to WWE. It's just, oh, it's to me, like I said, and it's I'll a cash stick grab. to it. Yep. That, thank you. 
Thank you. It's That's just like a very lucrative with. cash draft. Yep. They knew that the UK people wanted a pay-per-view. So what did they do? They went and bargained with different arenas over there. They were like, look, let's do a fucking nice big one. Make them happy. Tap that cash grab. Get the fuck out of town. And that's what they're doing. So, yeah. So, like, I've kind of kept that thought in the back of my mind. And I'm just trying to be optimistic when I know I shouldn't be. But they, they've got a lot of little cracks in the crevices that they need to fix before before those little cracks become very large and tear down a lot of shit because this is they're in a weird state of flux like they are but they aren't at the same time they're making all the money but they're chasing away all actual wrestling fans and just having kids and these one-off kind of casual you know what i mean fans just here and there Oh, hey, wrestling's on. We had nothing else to watch on a Monday. Let's turn it on. You know, or like, oh, our six-year-old Timmy really likes Roman Reigns or, you know, our daughter really likes that Sasha Banks or the really likes Ronda Rousey. You know what I'm trying to say to you. Yeah. With the whole PG product, that's where their main name seemingly is going. But they still have that, just that little bit of that aim for the people like us. To keep us roped in. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It ain't like after the Benwall murders. It ain't like after the Benwall murders to where everything went squeaky clean. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that that was a it total about fit. You know, for obvious yeah. reasons. Them, them reins have been loosened a lot more. And this weirder PG kind of era is... Um, like I said... Stuff still kind of aimed at us, but then not. And a lot of it, it's aimed at kids. And it becomes, like we've said before, a confusing part of a product where we're still diehard WWE fans based on the history. And then that weird little bit of stuff they do to keep us roped in. They bring back Cody and then they tie in the lineage to Dusty and everything old. That ropes us in, but it also tells a story to these young kids of Cody's doing this for his dad. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's that's the modern WWE landscape, it seems, and it's no fun. Well, <laughs> let's say that it's interesting. We'll say. Live Dynamite looking with Ray. I just turned it here. They got the cage match on first. Uh, Wardlow is, I'm, a, I'm guessing he won, and he's just tearing shit up. He's on top of the cage screaming, so I'm assuming Wardlow got, got his match. <laughs> In like a happy scream or like a... Like, yeah, like kind of like, I'm King Kong, yeah. bitch. Like kind of like, I get my chance. Ah. Kind of thing. There were a couple of random refs. He, Power bomb one into the cage. MJF was out out on the floor, kind of sprawling back. So something happened, but Warlow got his wish, and I think we're getting our match Sunday, which isn't a full surprise. <laughs> but interesting way to start the show off. They started off with the cage match. Hell yeah. That's that seems like they've been trying to do that a lot more with Dynamite. They've been adding 
a lot more right to the opening segment. But uh, yeah, on that note, we're going to take a little spin. Okay. Double or nothing's coming up. Yes. It's- I was a bit confused with the scheduling, but it is, of course, because it's the holiday weekend. I should have known. It's this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the third uh, year, the the third year anniversary. I don't know if you want to make that an anniversary, but I think they are. So yep. Let's uh run down the predictions. We'll okay. start at the top and work. I mean, work our way from the bottom up. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna pull it up now. So bear with me. All right. From bottom up. Uh, I don't know if there's pre-show, kickoff show. Yes, just going the buy-in. with just going yeah, with going with what I, know, I see here. I know there the is. buy-in. I'll I'll do the buy-in. Hold on. Okay. The buy-in is Hokazen, which is Hook and Danhausen versus Tony Nice okay. and Mark Sterling. So that's on the buy-in. Um, do we really need to make a prediction on this? It's obvious. Yeah. Hookhausen or Hookhausen's gonna probably win this in swift fashion. Uh, because they just put it together again, you know. Um, everything is cyclical and recycled in this wonderful world of wrestling. This is probably their honest attempt at like a rock and sock kind of tag team, and it's gonna get over because there's something about Danhausen, there's something about Danhausen, and Hook just has it so. This is probably going to be rock and sock two like 2.0 potentially. So hook housing takes care of the premier athlete and the uh, phony lawyer. I will say that hook housing is definitely over. The crowd goes nuts for them. Nuts. Every week the crowd is hot for the hook housing. So I won't say they do it in strict, fa- uh, swift fashion. I'm sorry, but what I do think is that they they do pull out the victory, only because they tricked us last week with the whole Tony Nice Dan Hausen match. They gave Tony Nice the jobber's entrance, and they gave Dan Hausen the big over the top, you know, entrance with the gear and the you know the pyro and you know the works. He gets into the ring. Tony Nese destroys him in seconds, and it's over. Now that's where you bring in Hook, who's the one that they're trying to get over. Now they're expanding his wrestling palette. It's going to be, I'll say the match goes like maybe almost 10 minutes, eight, okay. 10 minutes tops. You know what I mean? Well, We're going to actually about, like, see. like the right spot that that match should be. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna actually see Dan Hausen work. We're gonna actually see Hook work. You know what I'm trying to say? We're gonna see Mark Sterling wrestle. He's really actually decent at wrestling. So it's a, it's gonna be hopefully a fun match. We'll say, yeah. And it's a, it's a good match to have on the buy-in. Yeah, to like, you know what I mean? To like get people up and get the show up. Yeah, it's definitely going to draw some ratings on the buy-in for sure because of who it is and the star power that they have on the buy-in. Now, is that the only match on the buy-in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right, that makes sense. So then we have – I'm counting with me here. Like 13, I think it was. 
11 matches, okay. counting the hook housing. It's 11, so 10 on the main, essentially. Um, again, I'm just going to follow the order from Sporting News. Uh, MJF Wardlow. Um, ah, I'm going to go with they're going to go with the wave of momentum and go with the big fella because MJF can kind of take the loss and will still, I still feel by years in, he will be holding that championship by hook or by crook. But this is probably the plan or the, the idea of the summer of summer of Wardlow. And it starts this weekend. So I'm going with the big fella to finally get his hands on, on his, his angst and finally get them. And it just kind of, and then we branch them off from there. Because at that point, there won't be, well, there might be a rematch because it, it is modern wrestling. So there probably will be a rematch. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. I think Wardlow picks up a win. I, uh, there might try and be some fuckery, like Sean Spears tries to interfere, yep. something silly. But ultimately, Wardlow picks up a win to a big pop from the crowd. That was my thought. Uh-huh. Then we have House of Black versus Death Triangle. Um, ha oh man, this is if this was like a disappointment bowl, this might be the like championship game of, of that bowl game. Um, I don't know what direction Malachi's went into or they're putting them into. Death Triangle is just kind of there. Um, you know, I feel bad for Pac. I had high expectations for Pac a- a- after his exodus from WWE. Um, I'm going to assume they're going to keep putting the rocket ship to the House of Black and make this work, and they'll beat the Death Triangle since the Death Triangle don't really have much uh, substance right now. I'm going to hope that they eventually just separate them all and let them go their separate ways and let them do their thing. But this is a faction heavy company. So they kind of need them. So, but I'll go with the house of black to come out strong and hopefully they finally tie the loose end up and Julia Hart helps them win this match. And she finally joins the group instead of making us linger on for the inevitable. Very good. So I, I, I think that's a safe one if you had to go on DraftKings because I know FanDuel does does not do wrestling gambling props, which is bullshit. FanDuel, please get on that because, you know, you would make a lot of money that way, and so would I. Um, next on the list is the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club, represented by Brian Danielson and Moxley in a, I don't believe they named this a, a fucking match, Anarchy in the Arena match. Um, we, is there something wrong with street fight or gang fight, apparently? Um, <laughs> so in the Anarchy in the Arena match, um, going with the BCC, Kingston and LAX beat the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, that just makes sense. 
they got to do something. Maybe, maybe this is a lead in to the to the big looming rumor that there's going to be another set of titles coming in, a six man or as they say a on the trio. show, trios trio. title. Trio. Um, maybe this match will open the floodgates for them to get that belt going and put it on either Kingston or Kingston Ortiz and Santana or Blackpool Combat Club. But I'm going to go with the Blackpool Combat Club, Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, beat the crap out of Jericho Appreciation Society. And it's let, let's hope it's not a marathon of a match. I completely agree. I mean, we're just racking all, up together. Just all due respect, let's just not – not every match I hope is not, but – AW's track record tells me otherwise that every match is going to be like a, 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 a 20 minute long college essay match. So just ah, some matches just don't need it. And this should be on that list. I mean, overall, we're looking at like a like five hour show with the buy-in. Yes. So. And that's and 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 that's probably on the low side. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. It's probably on the and it's like it's because they put like everything into these you know cards. They only do four pay per views a year, <clears throat> and then they put <clears throat> excuse me, they put everything into these shows. So then you have these 10, 12, 13 match cards like we have coming up at Double or Nothing. But yeah, so the next match, mm-hmm. um. For me and you, we've seen this incarnation of it. For others, this will be a first-timer. The Hardys versus the Young Bucks. Uh, Let me just get this out of my system. This incarnation of the Hardys is absolutely abominable to look at. Jeff, I'm definitely afraid anytime he does anything Jeff-like, Matt, kind of looks like he's in dad bod mode. Um, Matt and Nick are going to probably pull out every every stop imaginable to get this match over. Um, and this is probably going to be a paint-by-the-numbers match, and, th- and, and that's not a slight. That's just, that's just the way that this thing has to be because there's no such thing as time travel. To send Matt and or to send Matt and Jeff back to 1999 and have them time travel back to now. There's just unfortunately there's no such thing. So I'm gonna go. Screw it. I'm gonna go with the Bucks. The Bucks pull off an upset, and this is gonna be a ongoing thing that probably goes and probably ends it all out because there's there's a good opportunity there to and it'll end <laughs> it all out in some kind of TLC match. I could see that. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. The, the Hardys are on some sort of roll. Uh, so with their whole, I don't know. Um, lately, I've been seeing Matt, like, see, this whole feud was rushed. It, a Very. lot of it was built online. So then when it was able to get on TV and have TV time, it wasn't the best. And a lot of it really made no sense to where when you see it on TV, it looked rushed. Unless you follow it on like BTE and then social media and things like that. Yeah. Which well, I'm one of the people. Exactly. I'm one of them people who considers it even rushed 
And I've seen the dumb shit that they put on on social media and everything, building this feud. Um, ultimately, I think the, the Hardys are going to end up picking up the win here because I think the Hardys pick up the win here and then they challenge the winner of the tag team titles. That leads the Hardys into their program while it keeps the Bucks kind of still occupied on the Hardys, plus doing their own thing. Watching the Hardys win the tag titles is going to drive the Bucks crazy, challenging the Hardys again for the titles. Maybe another ladder match at All Out for the belts. I could see that. So it'll be kind of like a hot potato situation for the tag titles to get to that big match that everyone's probably going to want on a, on a, on a grander scale. Well, it don't even necessarily have to be hot potato. I mean, you could have jungle boy and Luchasaurus retain and then they have a classic match with the Hardys on like a dynamite or a dynamite special and they lose the belts that way, you know, or you have, you know, Hobbs and Starks pick it up, you know, and then they drop them and there's your hot potato, but who knows? You know what I mean? Like I said, it was just random thought. This should be the, this isn't going to be the end of this. This is just the start of it. Yeah. Then we have one way, one way, shape, or form. It's just the start of it. um, We have to, I guess, wait till the end of tonight for the women's Owen Cup tournament final. Um, We don't know who's in it, but we'll just go with the prediction. Who do you want to win it? I think it's going to come down to uh, Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, and they're going to put it over on Soho because Britt Baker could still eat the loss and it not really affect her. But if Ruby Soho gets to another final of a tournament and loses again or another women's title match and loses again, she's not going to look credible at all. It's just going to look like another women's division of just a bunch of mid-carters. And I, I could see them letting Ruby Soho win the Owen Cup for the women's side. I thought about it. I was trying to find a way to have it be Tony Storm and Ruby, but there's just no plausible way that that could happen. Stranger things have happened, though. But this... If they want to rectify the opportunity with Ruby Soho, this is the right moment, time, and opportunity to really cash in on her coming in because they kind of flubbed it at first. This is a good rebound chance, and it gives her something without giving her a title since obviously the other two titles are probably in pretty secure hands for a good while. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with that, and then we'll go on to the men's one. Um, tonight's match to meet Adam Cole is Kyle Rowley versus Samoa Joe. Yeah, it's um, going to be Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. Yeah, I'm going to bank on it. It's Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. And again, this is another situation where the guy doesn't, the guy needs this and it doesn't necessarily need a championship. Again, same, same thing with the female thing. The Adam Cole experience has been lukewarm at best. This is a golden opportunity to like polish what's went wrong 
with Adam Cole's run, and Adam Cole has something to brag about, kind of like Owen Hart, ironically. And thank you. And he wins the inaugural Owen Hart Cup for the for the men. It it it, it just gives him something to brag about. And Joe needs it, but doesn't need it as much as Adam Cole needs. See, I I think yeah, like you, I have to say yeah, exactly that. Uh, Adam Cole needs it more than Samoa Joe. It won't hurt Samoa Joe to lose. Because you know I, I, mean? I think we all know the end game with Joe is to be the face of ROH, and they're going to probably slow burn that. Yep. Or maybe even hot shot it quickly if and when the ROH product gets launched. They're going to probably put a lot of the bank behind Joe to carry that flag because that's essentially the right person to do it right now. Yeah, what do you do with the title and Gresham and all that shit? Sorry to jump off subject. No, um, I assume that we either get Joe and Gresham, which I would love, because that'd be a phenomenal match. Um, contrary to people's qualms about Gresham, it, Gresham's great, despite... Yeah, I, I think he's great. Despite yeah. he's undersized. Um, or they can go the paint-by-the-numbers way, do Gresham lethal, you know, Satnam Singh, Dutt, cost Gresham the title, you give Lethal the title, and you continue the Joe Lethal story from light years ago, and then Joe takes off a of Lethal. Like, you, you, like, there's the AB route, and then there's the ABC route. They'll probably go the ABC route. Because it'll, in a way, kill two birds with one stone. So, I'm definitely yeah. gonna go with that because because Joe's because Joe's the TV champ right now, and mm-hmm. they'll make him a dual champion, which would be pretty cool. Or they'll find a way to have him relinquish it or lose it to Jay, someone. Jay Lethal, he used to hold the world and the TV title for a long ass time. That's what ROH. I thought. Mm-hmm. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. Jay Lethal's the longest reigning TV champion in ROH history, actually. Oh. Random fact. Yeah. So but yeah. Back to the double or nothing predictions. Yes. We'll move on. Um tag titles, right? No, uh, mm. next up is well, this is this this should be a rather swift match. Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay for the TBS title. Clearly if there's yeah, if there's one lock for the night, it's that. It's going to be Jade continues this undefeated streak. Yeah, this is Jade going to be a slow losing. burn where it's probably going to lead to what me and you probably think is going to lead to. So, yeah, we'll just breeze on past that. The triple threat tag. Um, Jurassic Express versus Team Taz versus Swerve in Swerve in My Glory. Is that good enough? <laughs> There you go. All right. You should tweet them that. I, I probably will do that at, like after the show. Swerve in my glory. Um, yeah. I would love to see them give it to Swerve and Keith Lee, but fuck it. I'm going with it. It's time. Pull the fucking trigger on this. Starks and Hobbs. They look great. They're constantly money superstars every time they're in front of a fucking camera. They're it's time. 
Team Taz needs some positive polish and they need some clout. This is the right thing. You can kind of do like a pseudo bloodline thing where like they could say that they have all the gold or at least most of the gold. And it gives Starks just more reason to be that chicken shit heel. And it gives Hobbs an elevation that he desperately deserves and needs. So I'm going to go with Team Taz leaves double or nothing. <clears throat> nothing against Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express, and um, I'm sure we'll get to it because it's the last match. The AW World Heavyweight Champion have just had these dry not very investing runs. And the whole Christian's your hype man thing, it's kind of ran its course. I, I'll i say it. I think Jurassic Express period has ran its course. I thought it did back with Marco because it just took a lot of potential out of it. It's either Jungle Boy turns on Christian or or it's standard paint by the numbers. Christian turns on Jungle Boy. We get that's that. What I, and that's like the student versus teacher thing. That was my next my reaction to it. I was going to say if they lose the titles, <clears throat> if they lose the titles, Christian will get into the ring. Jungle Boy will do that. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and Christian will be like, ah, oh, it's all right. Patting him on the back and then grab him and drop him with the unprettier. Yeah. Before Luchasaurus is able to react. You know what I mean? Then Christian will run away, having him be a dirty heel now. And then we get heel he'll fight. Yep. And then heel Christian will fight Luchasaurus and beat him. And then Jungle Boy will end up beating Christian, probably at all out or something. You know what I'm trying to say? Yep. That's if they drop the titles at all. I could see them keeping the belts on Jurassic Express as well, though. Which is, okay. there's a few matches, and I'll say that, there's a few matches tonight that I just completely am unsure on who's going to be the one to really win. And that's one of them, because I could see them, like I said to you just a little bit ago with the Hardys thing and the, you know, the Hobbs and everything, and I could see the tag belts going that way. You know what I mean? I could see them also going the other way. And then it ends up being, uh, you know, that whole big feud, like I just said, building towards all out with the Hardys, you know, and everything else. Um, but then I could can, also see it. I'm can sorry. I throw a possible, I guess, curveball? Sure. At you? Is there a universe where Jurassic Express retains FTR challenges? FTR wins the titles and then we get some kind of big tag match with FTR versus whoever at all out fingers crossed what? fingers what crossed if? it's the Briscoes and we get a rematch no fuck listen what if that happens like what if FTR ends up challenging Jurassic Express and wins and then at all out we get that TLC match with the Hardys the Young Bucks and FTR. and FTR. Oh, I didn't even think of that. And that could be like AW's generational TLC match, like that. Remember like we Dudley's had this match. Yes, yes. That is yes. a good idea. I totally didn't think of that. I figured that they would separate it because because FTR is in like the belt collector mode. But that could work. That actually you know might I mean? be. 
that actually might be the sneaky route of what may happen. Because, because they got to acknowledge FTR. They just have to. They can't just keep hiding them for fucking effort. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that'd be pretty cool. You know, something random like that. Um, yeah. Same thing like how I just said about the unsurety of who would win. Um, I'll hold that on before we continue on with our next. Good. Okay. I think the next one uh, is the AW Women's title, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Uh-huh. Um, I saw a interesting stat that since she's won the AW Women's title, Thunder Rosa has been on television for a grand total of 29 minutes. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you're like, well, yeah, good, but well, no, no, I don't mean like fuck. that at all. Like, no, I, I don't mean that at all. I mean, since winning that title back what two and a half months ago, yeah, two two and a half months ago, she's been on a grand total of not even a half hour, just a little under a half hour. Um, that should tell you how that's being designed. Um. <laughs> I Serena Deed's promo last week was amazing. Yes, I know she sounds robotic, but it was from the heart. And yeah, she has to have her moment in the, in like the sun at some point. I would love to see. I would love Ser- to see her win here. I that really was my do. point. Remember, I said it just a minute ago. I said I would hold the unsurety over to this one. Okay, this is that match I'm unsure about. Because I could totally see Serena Deeb tapping out Thunder Rosa and winning the women's title. That promo on Wednesday was fucking real, man. Yes. I changed my body for them. I put implants in for them. I, You know what I mean? Like, that shit was real, man. That was good. And like you just said, her to get her moment in the sun. Hey, let's fucking do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, let's go full circle and, like, give her this. Because it's yeah. not like it's going to hurt Thunder Rosa and you can run it back and have them have, like, a summer feud, which ends it all out, and then you just kind of go from there. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, as, as wishy-washy as Thunder Rosa is, she's kind of Teflon where, like, it's not really going to tarnish anything. Like, you know what I mean? And, and and I think this particular loss wouldn't be a damaging loss. It'd be like an honorable loss because of who she's losing to. Yeah, I agree. And that, and and that if and, anything, and it gives us a, a much needed Britt Baker palate cleanser out of the title. Pick. Yeah. Well, my whole thing is for that period of time that Britt Baker held the title, the women's title has the deepest track record of who's held it. It think about it. It went Rio, Nia, Nyla Rose, and then it went Sheeta, and then Britt Baker, and then now, you know, obviously it's on Thunder Rosa. We could see a change on you know Sunday or yes. Saturday, whenever I'm sorry. But I I I don't know. It seems like they when the woman's hot enough, they put the belt on them and 
Britt Baker was the one to be able to hold that for a while while they didn't have anybody hot enough. Thunder Rosa got over. And that's what I, I've tried to tell you before. I just... I know. <laughs> I just didn't see it. You know what I mean? You had these people that were like all for it. And I just, I didn't see it, man. I just didn't see it. No. And then, so fingers crossed, Serena D pulls off the, uh, pulls off the upset and finally becomes a champion because it's long overdue from the implants to straight society. Like it's, it's fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to our main event, um, which for some people is a toss-up, but to each their own. Um, Adam Hangman Page versus CM Punk. The Hangman's title run has been very flat, <laughs> disappointing, underwhelming. I feel bad for him. He's kind of had to become this impromptu heel because no one's going to boo punk. Uh, I have a bad feeling. I have a bad feeling. Hangman's going to beat punk. That's in my, that's in my gut too. I, I could see the powers that be here wanting to double down, triple down on, on hangman page and at least have him go through the summer and potentially get a rematch at All Out, which is always is in Chicago, and we do it there. But they got to give – they have – like, this is their Hail Mary attempt to give Hangman title reign some kind of oomph. And if he beats Punk, that's probably that oomph that will get him through the summer till we get to Chicago at All Out. And then we do something we probably should have done six months earlier and we'll have Punk hold it, and then we can rehash what should be hands down the feud of the year, Punk MGF, and we go from there. Punk, Punk, Punk MGF to end the year with much higher stakes. But I, I'm actually going to go with my gut-wrenched feeling and say that they're going to they're going to pun intended, go all in, double down, triple down, and Hangman will leave Vegas as champion, and it'll probably upset a handful, a good amount of people. I think, yeah, that's what I was saying. I just have that feeling that in their mind, (laughs) AEW is proud of Hangman's title run they don't see it as lackluster in AEW. And in their mind, they're building it as Hangman's knocking down these big challengers. But I just, um, I don't see it that way. You know what I mean? I Like you said, it's been not what I expected as Hangman as world champion, especially after coming off everything with him and Kenny. Yes. In the whole build up <clears throat> to that point. Yeah, and it's just uh it hasn't lived up to what I expected, like what I think a lot of us expected. Yeah, this and not to be funny, this hasn't been cowboy shit. Nope. At all. But to 
but to certain people who do the booking, they think it's gone just the way that they've written it. So I think I same thing. I think Hangman walks out after one of those bloody matches with Punk, still champion. That's our prediction on AEW's Double or Nothing this weekend. Um, we we can probably clear this out. There's not going to be a big, massive John Moxley like debut at, at at this year's show. Probably right. There there's there isn't anything anyone of substance that like we can think of that would have that like Moxley showing up the double or nothing kind of pop at the end of the night after the first one. It would have to be fucking Bray Wyatt. That's what I I was thinking was there's an exception where it's Bray or Wyndham or whatever he'll go by. Yeah. You know what I'm trying. Yeah. But I mean, it would have to be him. Yeah. That's like the only person that I could see getting any kind of huge reaction per se, you know, there's not many other big names that got released that are still out there that could really make a huge splash. Like so, that. Yeah. No. It's either they would have to include Wyatt somewhere or they just don't. Wyndham, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, that uh, covers yeah. that. Yeah, that's our uh, double or nothing predictions, like you said. Now we're going to turn it just a little bit different here. Um, WWE has Hell in a Cell coming up. Okay. And I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite Hell in a Cell moment or match all time? Oh, um, if I could look into my crystal ball, I probably know your answer. <laughs> And it's I was going to say, it's kind of obvious. Very much justified for a numerous amount of reasons. Um, for me, this isn't a cop-out answer, but I mean, some people will probably see it as a cop-out answer. Um, Bad Blood, Sean Taker, and the debut of Kane. I, there's just something about that I... I love in everything that grew from that. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other Hell in a Cell matches, but they like right now because because like I because my OCD can't sit and decipher through <laughs> all of them. They all kind of blend together. Like I believe there's a Sean Jericho one during that weird. Okay, like that's just my mind going hazy. I know Edge and Taker have done one. Um, so, yeah. SummerSlam. So, I'm yeah, going to go with was... Bad Blood. I'm going to go with Bad Blood 97, which is technically the first one. Sean and um, Taker and just that classic footage of Taker harpooning Sean into the cell. Match is almost over. Blood everywhere. Lights go out. Vince's famous line. That's got to be. That's got to be. That's got to be Kane. Rips the door off, and then we're off to the races. So, yeah, bad blood '97. I, uh, I think my answer is pretty obvious. And if you don't know, now you do. 
uh, King of the Ring 98, Undertaker and Mankind. I was there. The that is of one of... <laughs> that is my all-time, probably, childhood wrestling moment at all to begin with. And actually, I had been talking to Kate about our lists and how we made the list about our top tiers and everything. And she said we should do one about our wrestling moments. And that's a I unique said, one. I, yeah, we could, you know what I mean? But it, it's like we may not be able I, to do a pyramid, but we could do like a top. Yeah, ten. we can do a list, like a top five, top 10. Yeah. But here's my top one right off the bat. So it would spoil my list kind of. But I, uh, yeah, I, Got to go to King of the Ring 98 on a whim, and that was one of the best times that I've, I don't know, I just, it, the nostalgia of it and the meaning it has in wrestling alone, the meaning it has that, like, it meant to, like, me and, you know, my, just in general, I got to go with my dad and some of my other family, and anyway, that was I mean, I can still remember every, you know, pretty much everything about that night, to be honest with you. Okay. And so you kind of got me to go down this road. You okay. And another couple of my best friends were at that show live. Now, watching it at home, like what, what was the atmosphere like from the first fall, and then the fall through the cell where the chair hits him to even when Terry Funk gets chokeslam out of his shoes. Like, like what was that environment felt like, seemed like in real time when all that was unfolding? Because on television, oh. it, was, it wasn't slow, but it wasn't that, boring. That's, well, that's exactly it. When it first was going on with the, like, the match itself, people weren't that invested. I mean, yeah, you had your invested crowd, but like, it wasn't getting the reaction that you're expecting. And then when they first went up on top and then that whole thing, obviously he gets thrown off the cell. Okay. Like what is the noise like when well, he the pretty whole, much splatters? You, it's they're fighting and you don't expect them. I'm not kidding. You, nobody expected him to get thrown off. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. <laughs> nobody really thought nobody in that arena really thought he was going to get thrown off because usually it'd be like a block, 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 you know what I mean? And then they get down, you know, what I'm trying to say, well, sure. The shit, it was more of that, like, Oh my God, like it really happened. Cause it happened in a split second to where my other friend was there. He didn't even realize it happened because it happened so fast. And that's what I was trying to get to. The reaction was, if you weren't paying attention for that exact moment, you missed it. And the pop level wasn't as loud because it wasn't a built-to-expected moment. I, I can remember certain things, like I said about that night. You know what I mean? Like, a, you know, I can remember the majority of them, everything, like the matches and whatnot, because I've watched it over and everything. But I mean, like, anyway, that pop wasn't like, people try to expect that first him getting thrown off the cell that's what got people more invested 
then people were really concerned watching them lift the cell a little bit and then get him onto the stretcher and then him get, you know, pulled away. Then when he stands up and then that's when he gets a reaction because people are like, holy shit, he's, he's walking back to the ring. People start to cheer. Well, <laughs> the match goes back on and then he goes up the, up the cell goes through the middle out, out of, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know what I mean? They both could have fell through and that, you know, that whole story, people would drug this hell in a cell legacy Ew. to death, but I, that wasn't supposed to happen. So when that happened, people fucking shit themselves because everybody was already invested from that first time. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. The aftermath of the first throw got everybody invested. Like, oh my God, he really did get thrown off the cell. Well, then the whole thing that, you know, they went back up, went through the middle again. Taker jumps down through the middle, choke slams Terry Funk out of his shoes. And then the thumbtacks come out and everything. And it's just, it's a mess. It, the history from there is what I'm trying to say. But the environment wasn't, it wasn't an instant it wasn't a hot crowd. It, you know what I'm trying okay. to say? Like it, it wasn't boiling to where like every single move got a reaction or anything like that. And that's just to the absolute best of my recollection from, you know, being the age that I was when I went, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I mean, I can remember just random things like the King of the Ring final. You know what I mean? I, I I don't know. I I I remember I was sitting next, and this is random, but I can remember I was sitting next to these people. Like as my family went down the row of seats, it was like my dad and then me at the end, instead of like vice versa for some reason. But anyway, these guys were like talking. It might have actually been, but anyway, um, these guys were talking and they were like adamant that Ken Shamrock was gonna win the King of the Ring. You know what I mean? And I can remember just being younger and being like, no, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't know. I can remember like the opening match with Kai and Tai. You know what I mean? If I'm not mistaken, like I said, Kai and Tai and the Headbangers. Um, random other things. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I said, the reason it has, you know what I mean, is why it's going to be my number one moment of not only my hell in a cell all time moment, but if we did a list of like my top five wrestling moments, that would definitely be number one being in King of the Ring 98. You know, yeah. like I've always wanted to ask that to you and my other friends, and I just it never came to me to ask until now. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've been at some nice crowds in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've been to some decent shows in my life. Um, and <laughs> if we're only doing WWE, I can do that list kind of more clearly. But then when I factor all time in, Kingdom 98 is still going to sit up top all time. But then my two, threes, fours, fives even get a little bit more blurry. Because like 
you know, me and Kate went all out. I mean, wow, all out, all in. The first, you know, all in. The only all in, what am I trying to say? But we went to that and that crowd was something so unique, but everybody was so respectful. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And that was the original AW audience, was a very respectful, well-behaved fan base before things changed the pandemic and then big signings and just everything. And then fans came back and now it's just, you got these rowdy fans. You had that one dude jump the barricade and climb onto the ramp for the MJF and Jericho segment, you know, just random shit. I've seen some really good crowds, but I've also been a part of some terrible crowds, you know, like Royal Rumble 2014 was kind of interesting. You know what I mean? with Batista when he won. I mean, I was part of the crowd fucking booing the shit out of him too, but it's the point of like Ray came out 30 and everybody was just kind of like just poor Ray Mysterio, man. I'll say that forever. That's the loudest I think I've ever heard Ray Mysterio get booed in his like in my whole life, period. They Pittsburgh just shit on him. They just shit on him. And I just I don't know. I I could go on and on, but one day we'll have to do a list. How about Absolutely, that? Absolutely, yeah. All right. So uh, on that note, we'll do our one of our last segments. Uh, Kota Ibushi in New Japan has become a very sticky situation. That's one way of putting it, apparently. <laughs> um, lately, some things have came out, and he was tweeting with Dave Meltzer just out in the open. And he had said that he got sent a release paper, like a a termination notice is what he called it. And then uh, he tweeted that because of all the, you know, embarrassment and everything and stuff that's going on with this whole New Japan thing, his mother tried to commit suicide on Saturday. So he's been dealing with, yeah, because of all this bullshit. So because of what he's dealing with, with this whole New Japan mess, his mother felt ashamed and tried to kill herself. So he's now just been kind of laying low, kind of just taking care of his mom and stuff. But could you imagine that? Like you you were like a celebrity and because you, you know, let your family down, your mom tried to kill herself, you know? What do you have to say about that? You know, that's extreme. But I know in this is going to sound pretty <laughs> ignorant, I guess. But in Japanese culture, it's just it's that pride thing, I guess. But that it doesn't excuse it. But that that's really fucking deep. That's disturbing. Like that, that would definitely set off a shit ton of red flags and censor for me. I'm sorry. That, that wasn't ignorant at all. That, no, you're like, exactly right. No, no, you're right. That okay. is the Japanese tradition of like that. Or I guess that culture pride. Yes, Does that makes sense. Okay. Yes, and that's where the whole thing of like he posted that, and he's I don't know. It's that shows you the impact of how that still culture even is still there to this day. And like you said, it's I don't know, man. I, Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, kind of weird Kill Bill Japanese 
mafia innuendo and just a lot of a lot of skittish stuff behind this that just leaves me to believe that this is going to be fingers crossed vice renews the fucking episodes gives us more dark side of the ring stop trying to take it down it's good for business god damn all right i'll save that for the time but that this has a dark side of the ring episode written all over it if this unravels the way it's unraveling like like this alone could be like a two-parter because it definitely checks all the boxes of a dark side of the ring um I haven't been the biggest Kota Bushi guy for reasons. Um, I know that he's pretty much talented. Um, there's a lot to invest in him. And I know he's kind of a, let me try to think of the word, peculiar guy. <laughs> so that factors in with a lot of his shit. Um would I like to see him in the States? Yes and no. But it's obvious that that if this is what he wants to continue to do, obviously. So I'm going off that premise. If this is what he wants to continue to do, his only avenue is going to be to come here. And then we kind of know which route he's going to go. Because him and Kenny have done a lot of that kind of funny ha-ha stuff in Japan. They're, they, they, they've been partners. They have history. And, like, a lot of the stuff that makes Kota Ibushi look special is in AEW. There's a, if he goes to WWE, he's probably going to be Funaki 2.0. Two, two Let's just be real about it. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So, it's obvious that there's one direct pipeline for him. If he wishes to continue doing this wrestling thing, or maybe, who knows, he steps away for a while. But I know his window of time, because of the style he works, limits that that exodus for him. Um, I know for the AEW stands and the AEW faithful and the Japanese wrestling faithful that have been banging his drum for God, it seems like a decade now, would absolutely want him here. But he's going to run into the problem that a lot of the other big signees have ran into since joining AW. Where does he fit in? How does he fit in? How do you feature him? Can you feature him? Is it going to be enough to to match his reputation and his standards, or I guess, yeah. So it's very obvious whatever's happened with New Japan um, does not seem salvageable right now. (laughs) It does not seem salvageable, if at all, if ever. So you can probably scratch that out with a Sharpie. That's probably, there's going to be a long, probably a long while before they like even attempt to rehash anything. So that leaves AEW impact and, you know, run of the mill, you run the kind of the top tier indie gauntlet, which is, I, this is me being an outsider, not a big Kota Bushi fan. I just think that would be 
kind of but kind of beneath them. But impact in AEW might be something he'd be into, especially especially with, with the forbidden door theory that you can have him work both and do some kind of creative thing there with him there. So uh, it's just it's very murky and uncomfortable. And overall, you just got to feel for a guy that's in that that's in that that's in that spot. And it's, you know, you know, it's crazy that you'll have to leave your home country and not know what happens to your family because chances are he probably can't bring everyone with him, especially in especially in our lovely, yeah. fantastic <laughs> world, our lovely, fantastic pseudo post pandemic world. He probably can't do that. There's probably going to be a shit ton of restrictions on that for just him let alone him, his mom, and close ones, loved ones. Like, there's no way that he can uproot his whole family in this day and age with us not totally out of the pandemic clear. Yeah. Like, like, like that's, that's a whole other ball of wax that he's going to have to deal with if he wants to come over here anyway. Like, like, like there's so many floating parts. Like, he wants to come over here to make a good living, fulfill his dream in essence but he's risking his family being in kind of a hostile territory <laughs> like very hostile territory where a lot of skeptical shit happens and it doesn't really get acknowledged if at all it's just kind of swept away swept under the rug because of status and stature so yeah, so I would be he's 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 definitely stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. To to use that old analogy. He's like the walking example of that right now. It will definitely be interesting to see what comes next. Like you said, this could go uh dark side of the ringway, or it could go he comes to America and wrestles and everything just kind of gets left behind. It you could be a I mean? dark, dark side of the ring, or it could be yeah. a happy dark side of the ring. Because dark side of the ring exactly. has had some, some wholesome, heartful moments. They yeah. just don't match to the, the bulk of the show. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, well, there's really no easy transition from that. No. But what we'll do is move to uh, our favorite segment of the week. Uh, we give thanks. For being thankful. Ray, what are you thankful for this week, brother? Um, this is tough. It's hard because with everything going on in our outside world, it's it's hard to kind of muster something. So I'm 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 gonna try. Like this is just first cut, first take, try. Um I'm thankful that that we have the I don't want to say foresight or perspective to see to attempt to see a way to get rid of a lot of this heartache and just travesty and carnage that goes on. Like I guess I'm thankful that I'm not that I'm not totally numb to it. 
that anytime I hear it, it still kind of strikes a little bit of a nerve in me or nerve in me. Um, that I'm not completely numb and just lifeless to this stuff because this this affects people. Um, you know, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful. I guess I'm. I, I guess I'm thankful for feeling something. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. You have a, you have a conscience. Your feelings. You're a human being. And when we think about our give thanks for being thankful, it's hard not to think about, you know, the recent events in Texas. But it's also to. As a dad, easy to say, you know, this week I'm thankful for my son. I, he's my world, man. He's literally like, he's my sunshine. I couldn't imagine what those parents feel like I said. So I'm thankful that. I hate to even make it like this, but I'm thankful that I get to wake up with my son every day because I couldn't even want to ever begin to feel what those parents felt knowing that they're never going to get to see their babies again. I pray to God that they're able to do some sort of gun control, gun reform, something like these mass shootings have to stop. And again, we'll tie it back to that. Something. That's really what I got to say about that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's just no way around it for us, man, because we're, we're pretty straightforward human beings. There's no way to tap dance around that, man. Um, this has been a solid episode. Ends a little somber. Uh-oh, you have a you have an auto face. What's going on? Oh, you know what? We can kind of end this on a happy note. Let's just let, let's just power through it. We forgot to unveil the tier ones of our top tier pyramid. So reversal, swerve. As they say, <laughs> we're going to end the show on a happy note and we're going to unveil our tier one top tier pyramid, guys. Because last week we did four, three, and two. So we're going to end with the tippy top of our pyramid that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to let you go first because I, I said it last week. Your pyramid is unique awesome it hits all the sensors right it 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 covers a lot of ground so i'm intrigued to see who is in your tier one well if if i'm gonna have to cover a lot of ground maybe you should actually go first okay i didn't think of it that way um my tier one is three people oh um it's Probably going to be standard paint by the numbers, but there's reasoning behind it. A um, couple of the guys are 
icons, legendary, have a little bit of checkered histories. One guy is just squeaky clean, at least least up to date, <laughs> and has earned has earned that spot for me. And I'll have to elaborate when when, when I get to him. Um, start off, Ric Flair. Um, even as a kid, you know, he was supposed to be the bad guy. You couldn't boo him. Um, I think if I ever did, it was probably the WWF run in his feud with Brett, but that's because I love Brett. Um, Flair's timeless, even though I cringe at this last match idea just because I don't want to see Rick in that way. I know there's the video of him training. Even that's a little cringeworthy for me. I want to remember the Ric Flair that I got to see through my older cousins, this tape trading through the network, you know, like I, I want to remember him that way. Cause, cause that's the gold standard to me. And I know because of recent, recent culture shit, he's kind of on the outs with a lot of people, but, and some of his social media activity has been a little head scratching to put it politely. So it's kind of taking some of the, some of the tarnish off for Rick, but, but Rick belongs here. I, I, I find it hard to believe that I'd find anyone that wouldn't that find anyone that would have an issue with that. Um, my number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've been a fan of his since stunning Steve Austin, dangerous Alliance era. Um, the, the entire picture of Steve Austin alone belongs in the top tier. Um, obviously the WWF stuff, we don't even need to gloss over. He surpasses Hogan. He's, he is the gold standard, the bar for what a WWE superstar is supposed to be. He shattered the mold, changed the mold, changed everything forever. Um, what can I say? He's, he's, he's timeless. He's Coca-Cola. He's Skittles. <laughs> you know, it, it'll, it'll never go out of style. Um, this one has a very unique sentimental touch for me because I got to experience him the way my older cousins and relatives probably experienced me and my fandom with Hulkamania. I got to experience it with my youngest brother, Jordan, with him. And that's John Cena. John Cena is in this deer. Um, full disclosure, I will go, I will die on this hill all the time. Dr. Thugonomics John Cena is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It checked all my boxes. The fucking chain, the throwback jerseys, the Reebok pump-up shoes. The eight mile freestyles that John Cena to me is just a one, but the John Cena that I saw like influenced my like youngest brother and get him to love wrestling the way I did when Hulkamania was flowing through me just to see it and to kind of have went through it. I got to see it from both ends. I'm like, Oh, so that's probably how I was like in 1988, 1989, 1990, where I'm just this obnoxious shill of red and yellow. 
and said it's camo hustle loyalty respect. <laughs> it's just fast forwarded. And I got to be the older relative sibling that was like, oh, this is so annoying. This is so cheesy. This is so hokey. It's nothing like blank. He's not blank. But as I get older, I'm like, he was. He was. He he he, he was that and and more. And obviously, as I got older and as a smarter wrestling fan, the in-ring stuff, honestly, not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. He he has a pretty strong catalog of matches. Um, if anyone wants to disagree with that, Money in the Bank, 2011. That's all. That's that's all I really need to say. <laughs> that whole environment, Him or hell, or hell, ECW One Night Stand, 2008. Yeah, the way the Him way he st- handled that hostile environment, like like John Him Cena just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, during during a time that probably would have doomed a lot of other people. It didn't doom them. It just elevated. So, like, quietly for, like, guys in our age group, and I think a lot of us need to probably step back, smell the flowers, and give him his flowers, because John makes a strong case to be in this tier. He really does. So cultural influence, influencing a whole new generation the way Hulk did for us, or Flair did for us, or Warrior and Savage did for us. John did that for this new generation. And it's it's kind of carrying on with Roman and Randy because Randy's spanning so many eras now. Um, but no, John, I, I, I thought long and hard about it, and it's probably because of the connection and seeing my youngest brother go through the fandom the way I probably went through the fandom, just not as extreme. Or actually, probably, <laughs> but <laughs> but to see that like that magic, that feel, that I can't even think of the word, that thing it has that draws you in, that all those names did for us, and what John did for him, always keeps me in the loop that it's possible that we can still have this shit. It just needs to be. Just take a chance, I guess, on it because there are guys out there that really can grab that proverbial grass ring, brass ring. And that is my tier one, guys. Short, sweet. Um, it, I probably could have taken some guys from tier two in, into tier one, clearly. But when I really thought about it and went through the multiple drafts, I was like, these are the three guys that that just are like in like a different stratosphere compared to the rest of the tiers for all the reasons I, I just mentioned. See, I love that. I love that you had that same sort of way that you based that list off of what impacted you. Correct. Essentially. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I was, I was trying to be, what impacted me or affected me and also get a little bit of history and substance to it. Like I was trying to, I was trying to please a lot of masters. Well, here's, that's what I was going to say. I, you're, you're a very pleaser of a person. I knew you were trying to cover the masses on my list. 
my top tier number ones were my top. Okay. Not based on anybody else's drawing power, money rankings, world titles, none of it. All of that got thrown out the window. And I think the reason I, why I did it that way for me was because I've been through that <laughs> this is going to sound bad. <laughs> I've been through so many like variations and incarnations of fandom that like I probably have four different tier pyramids if I really were to break it down. <laughs> so that's what made it so so that's what got me to the point where I was at because I'm like I can check all those senses, be fair, kind of hit everything, paint by the numbers, but I'm not like missing anything. Cause I've, I've, I've went through my, I like to say my five to nine year old phase, my 10 to teenage phase, which was cut short for a little bit because the botched invasion thing. And then from mid teens to, I guess now or early 20s and then mid 20s to now like 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 there's just various different pyramids like like i think five to nine year old me's pyramid is a completely different pyramid to me now (laughs) for sure well i threw all that out the window (laughs) yeah i fucking i my whole pyramid has been built off of my own whims and my own ways of thinking and, and honestly, you, one. you flourish in that in that way where like I could try it, but I'm going to botch terrible where like you it's 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 like home for you. Like no fucking safety net. No, no fucks given. Here we go. Bam. <laughs> That's me. Uh, <laughs> That's me. I've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> no bullshit, though. I, I threw everything out the window and I let me of now my inner kid and I let them talk I let them decide how fun was that conversation fantastic (laughs) and I I'd never really do that you know what I mean but always (laughs) I could call it a top four, top five, but I did five. Okay. Because my last one that I'll, I'll actually start with was just one little bit away from being actually on my two tier list. But because I have a soft spot for that person, I put them back on my one. So I made it five. All right. And I'll explain as I get there. These are all based off of my my love, my life. Like I said, not about world titles, not about nothing else. And no real, well, I guess I should go in a particular order. Um, even though they're really not going to go in a particular order until the, maybe the final one, to be honest with you. Because I could have a plea for them being in any order. I'm going to start here with my one that was close to being on my number twos, Ric Flair. Okay. I love Ric Flair. Love Ric Flair. I, you could ask people in my hometown, 
my family, you know, I, there was a point in time I was my own version of Ric Flair. I felt like I was the shit, you know what I mean? Like every kid that is a Ric Flair fan kind of goes through that. It just goes through a Ric Flair phase. Yes. You get what I'm trying to say? You almost have to. And Flair always had like a, you know, just a different feel than a lot of other wrestlers. So Flair was this close to being put on my second tier because of that comeback match that's coming up. And a lot of the career, uh, I don't want to say hurting things that he's done, but he shouldn't have went to TNA, but he was broke and he's been terrible with money. Unfortunately. So if we did a top five, Flair would be number five because of everything after his final match, he should have left it with him and Shawn Michaels. And totally we're done. So then we're going to move up one more. Um, Randy Savage. Macho totally, Man Randy Savage. totally agree. Like he almost made my tier one. He really almost did. Like he was on the fringe. Like I said, it's it's based off of just my my liking, my childhood and my adult liking. My list didn't change, like I said, from when I was a little kid to now, because either the wrestlers that I'm going to list hold up or have held up. And Savage, it, uh, I really do wish Randy Savage wouldn't have died. We Me were too. on the cusp of a Randy Savage return. We would have seen Randy Savage accept the Hall of Fame induction and he would have been there. We would have seen him work with like Mattel Moore and because that video he did for San Diego Comic-Con that year when they showed the defining moments, Randy Savage figure, and when they unveiled that it was him, that reaction is something I still get goosebumps if you go back and watch that video. I might have to go or send me the link because I've heard of this video, but I've never seen it. The guy's just doing the figure reveal talking at this panel and he said about the next figure coming out for the defining moments line. And he said, we have a special video from the, and he turns to the video screen and then you hear it's the macho man. Oh yeah. And then he it like backs up and it's Randy and he's white beard. He has the glasses on, he has, you know, ball cap, but he's holding the defining moments, Randy Savage figure. And he talks about how amazing it is and how he's thankful for Mattel. And it like, it's crazy to think like he died uh, a week later, if that, after that essentially came out, you know, he was, uh, or it ended up being like a month later. I'm sorry. Cause it was that summer, but he, the figures he was alive for was that defining moments figure. And then they made a two pack and it was, uh, for the oh god damn it the all-stars wwe game that they made yes and it was uh the macho man and cm punk in a two-pack or no cm punk was with austin it was macho man and john morrison in a two-pack and then they did a legends line series one had macho man in it those were the three figures that he was alive for that he got to see made before he died of a heart attack um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just 
overall a huge Savage fan. And had he not died, I really do believe we were on the cusp of a full-blown Macho Man WWE kind of legends return. You know what I mean? Hall of Fame, the works. Like, he would have been like a downloadable. I love Randy. Every year, I do the anniversary of the now infamous cream cream of the crop promo, and I have the cream of the crop shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. I will go to Sheets or whatever gas station, find the little Insta creamer things, go to work, and just hand them to random people and be like, "You are the cream, the cream of the crop." And just flick it and walk away. Like, I've been doing that for like five, six years now. <laughs> like, just, it's like clockwork. I can't help myself. Hey. I, like, that that's how much I, I, I love Randy. I'll never forget where I was when I found out. I was getting ready to come up to Pennsylvania to visit the missus. And my friend texted me. And I didn't believe him. And I don't call anybody. Like, it's very rare I call anybody. And I called him. And I was like, stop fucking with me. He's like, and he was so sad. He was like, no, I'm not. And I just froze in this parking lot for like 20 minutes. And just could not think straight. Could not think straight. Because it, 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 it couldn't have been real. Because he, he wasn't supposed to die. He was supposed to live on for fucking hours. Damn. <laughs> that well, that that that's just me. <laughs> oh, well. You're not alone on that. You're not <laughs> alone on that. Uh next on my list, Kevin Nash. Okay. All right. Kevin Nash slash diesel has such a soft spot in my life for me because. I was always the taller kid. You know what I mean? I was always the bigger guy compared to my friends growing up to where when we wrestled in like the backyard and like our backyard leagues, I was always a bigger guy like Diesel or Nash or, you know, something along those lines. And I've always liked Nash's work. Nash was my world champion in 95. You know what I mean? I, uh, I like the new generation. Not many people do. I do. Uh, Growing up, I did not mind Nash beating Bob Backlund the way it did and him being champion and just everything. And just, I put Nash on my list. Like I said, this top is based completely off of my personal liking and I just think it's you know what I mean he holds a special place in my wrestling heart so that's why I put Kevin Nash on my top number ones I'm not gonna lie anytime I hear a truck horn or blues music I I can't help myself I fucking do the arm gesture because I loved Diesel as a kid. The presentation, everything about him was just different, cool. So, like, anytime I hear a truck horn, I, I like, I just, it takes me 
it takes me back to a happy place. <laughs> I don't know why. It it, it it just fucking does. Just anytime you hear like a that, I'm like, yep. I'm. I just instantly smile. I don't know why. I I don't oh, know yeah. how the mind works, but that that's just how it does for me. And then next on my list, Brett the Hitman Hart. All right. I, when it comes to the classic debate, Brett or Sean guy, Brett guy, um, did I like them both? Yes. But did I like Brett more than Sean? Yes. Simply because, I guess more because Brett was a, he was a bona fide, like, main eventer before Sean was. So I kind of knew Brett as a world champion and an established kind of technical wrestler way before Michaels was even a world champion. So then we got to like WrestleMania 12 and then they fought and Michaels beat him for the title. And that kind of put Michaels in that same bracket. I already seen Brett as a world champion. So now Michaels is there and now he's a world champion. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Brett was already in the show when Michaels showed up. Brett beat Flair on Thanksgiving Day for his first world title. I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, that was what, 92? Yeah. 93. 92. It was 92. It's exact. It's Brett was, like I said, Brett was already a made man before Sean showed up. Brett was for the people. Brett was a literal hero to people. He he's still a hero in Canada. He has a hockey team named after him in Canada. Um, if you go back and watch some older videos, like he was a people in India loved him. People in like Pakistan like loved him. They had this video. I, I'll never forget it. They're like it's one of them Bret Hart like home video like. You know, uh, Coliseum home videos like it's Brett yeah. Hitman Hart just to take like that, and it's a, they go backstage at a tour when they're over in India, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm about to go out there in front of all the fans." Like, you know how Brett talks, and the camera's out there before Brett goes out because he's still getting ready, and the fans are chanting, "We want Hitman! We want Hitman!" And I I still just think of that watching like. You know, these little like Pakistani, you know, Indian kids just like, yeah, we want Hitman. He was so over everywhere they went. And that was the whole way it was all the way up until the Attitude Era with the whole thing with DX when the bad guys became cool and everything like that. Because I, it was, you'll never see it again that Brett was the heel here in America, but a face everywhere else. Because everybody else realized how shitty America actually was with these, you know, putting Shawn Michaels and everybody as like these big stars compared to people who were for the people and actually are good people like Bret Hart. So all that factors into, like I said, little Tom, me inside. And now Brett's still better than Shawn. Brett still holds up better than Shawn. And Brett holds up better than a lot of other wrestlers. 
Bret Hart's in my top five. Shawn Michaels was what in my? I think he was in two. He, right? Oh, twos. Yes, he was in twos. I just had to find his name on yeah. the list. Um, so that's why Brett's in my top one, and then Michaels is in two. Clearly, and my final. Just to quickly piggyback, oh. the the love and fandom of Bret Hart. Uh, if you can't understand, don't understand, or never got why Brett's Brett, go out of your way, go on YouTube, and find that infamous WWF commercial with him in the Brett. hallway. Yes, with the kid. If you don't feel something, or at least get a gist of something. Then there's something deeply wrong with you. That's all. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Because <laughs> that was all of us. That was me. Yeah, I agree. I I'll tell you a funny story since we got there. Um, I remember growing up always loving the WWF magazines. Like every every time a new one came and I pulled up, my childhood house didn't have a didn't have one of those like pull down front mailboxes. We had one of those like top loader mailboxes, you know? Okay. Nine times out of 10, I would see the WWF magazine sticking out of my mailbox. Like I'd come home or we'd pull up in the car coming from school and I'd see it there waiting for me. I'd be like, yeah. And I'd like jump out of the car and like beeline it, use another Ray word, beeline it to the house, you know, <laughs> and get that magazine. Well, I would always enjoy reading the magazines until it got towards like back of the magazine where there was always Bret Hart's son. I used to get so mad that this kid was in every ad. He was in all the different, you know, Q and A's and he was in the magazine here and he was in the, you know, the, playing the new video game in the in the the raw in the ad, playing the WrestleMania arcade game in the ad, and just he was always around, trying on the clothes in the fucking catalog and stuff like that. Bret Hart's son, Blade, or whatever the fuck his name was. I used to get so mad at that kid. I used to want to kick that kid's ass. I used to literally get so mad about that kid because I was so jealous. You know what I mean? Because that kid got everything. He was Bret Hart's son. Here I am looking at this magazine, a little broke kid. You know what I mean? Just like a little motherfucker. Cause he was my age. He wasn't cool. He had a dorky ass haircut. And I just, Oh my God. I used to get so mad at this fucking kid. Not even kidding. <laughs> we get like a little pen and like scribble on his face and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, fuck can like do like the blackout teeth thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you knock out, yeah, give him a black eye, circle in his eye. I, I'm telling you, man, that's a, a random funny Tom there. I used to hate Bret Hart's son. Last and final number one on our tier pyramid here, The Undertaker. I was going to say, it, it's got to be who I think it is. <laughs> My all-time favorite wrestler, regardless of his political view, or anything like that. There's only one taker. And growing up, I, uh, before I had any like wrestling toys, okay? Now my brother had his, he had his LJNs, 
that they weren't mine. I wasn't allowed to play with them. He was uh, older than me, and I was the younger kid. And then, uh, yeah, a little bit of time went by. I had the Hasbro ring, but I didn't have actual wrestlers to where I had, like, I remember a Burton Ernie little, like, <laughs> you know, Sesame Street doll. And I used to like have them wrestling in my Hasbro ring, and I didn't have any Hasbro guys. And was it for well, the Rubber Ducky Championship? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, she was my great cousin. She was my dad's cousin, but she was my great cousin. She actually recently just lost her life to cancer. Um, her name was Donna Lee. And she was the one who got me into wrestling. She was the one who turned me on to WWF, to, to wrestling in general. Okay. Mainly the love of WWF, but a lot more of like opening my eyes to like NWA and, you know, other things that like I might not have seen if it wasn't on TV. Like, sure, you've seen your WCW Pro and, you know, the superstars, but. I was younger. You get what I'm trying to say? To where as I started to get older, she was the one helping me understand the characters. And this is him. He wrestles only here on WCW. Or this is this guy. He only wrestles on WWF. You get what I'm like? She yeah. helped me figure out the murky waters of just all I knew. I just liked wrestling. So it was just kind of like, here's this, there's that. I always gave her the credit for that. And Wrestling was always kind of a, you know, thing like my parents, my brother watched it sort of, my my parents watched it sort of when I wanted to watch it because I liked it. And just, I can go down the line and tell you like my history of my wrestling thing, but I'm going to tell you my taker story. I had that Hasbro ring. I had the Burton Ernie, but I had no figures. Donna Lee, who had been teaching me about wrestling and everything, knew I didn't have any wrestlers because she bought me that ring. Well, she showed up one day and she had the Hasbro Undertaker for me. Undertaker was our guy. I always liked Undertaker because she liked Undertaker. And then it drew me to Undertaker. I was, when I say that, no bullshit, I had to have been like, Maybe, fuck. I had to have been littler than four. And that's just, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, he came Survivor Series of 90. And so anyway, how old I was right around, like, when I started to develop, I got this Undertaker figure. Undertaker was our guy. Well, then I started getting more wrestlers and more figures. And then my brother gave me all his LJNs when he got too old. Cause he was like, my brother was like 13 when I was born. You know what I mean? Like he was already fucking older. Um, there's just random things that I can remember. Now it gets a little murky to be honest with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can remember my uncle Billy giving my dad, like I remember being in my dad's truck and seeing my uncle Billy hand my dad a box of something when we were leaving a, a party at his house one time. 
And my dad put it in the back of the truck, like in the back bed of the pickup. And we all drove home, like him, me and my mom. And I said to my dad, he, no, I'm sorry. My dad says to me, like, I have something for you. And I remember like begging him, like telling me like, what is it? He's like, no, you'll get it when you get home. You'll get it when you get home. You'll get it when you get home. We got home and uh, (laughs) we went inside. He carried this box up and uh, they gave it to me. It was the AWA ring. Okay. With the cage and it had like these little sticks that you would like you'd stick the stick through the ring and then you clip the figure on and then you'd stick the stick through the ring you clip the other figure on so you could have a you're playing with these figures that were you know in the cage okay. instead of like instead of having your hands down in the top of the cage they had these little slits on the side that you could have these figures attached to these sticks and you can just like play and i remember getting those figures and everything and I would use those against my Undertaker. And I would make Undertaker wrestle in that, you know, AWA ring in the cage because that ring had a cage. And then, uh, no bullshit, I ended up, I have it on video still. It was my birthday. This is still going to time with my Taker. So I got Ultimate Warrior and Jake the Snake Roberts on my one birthday video of the Hasbro figures. And I say something along the line to my sister because I... Uh, Rip the wrapping paper off. And I'm like, warrior. And my sister's like, yeah, warrior. And I'm like, somebody that Undertaker can beat. Boom. I was a Taker guy. That same birthday video that I said, my figures could lose to Undertaker. I open another present and it's the uh, WWF Undertaker bear. They used to have these teddy bears back in the day. I, remember. I, I had two. I had got two that birthday because two people at my birthday party had got me the same gift and they didn't know. I got Undertaker Bears that day and I have that on video. And that's like, I don't have many like proud moments of like my youth collecting of wrestling, but I have a few. And that is definitely probably the proudest minus some pictures and things that I have of like Christmas mornings and stuff. You know what I mean? But I do believe that's the only unwrapping that I have on video, to be honest with you. But no matter what figure I got, they all lost Undertaker. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. (laughs) So ultimately that's what I'm trying to say. It was whether it was young Tom, whether it was like high school Tom, or whether it was, in his mid thirties, Tom soon to be fucking 40 years old, still having undertaker listed as your number one top favorite wrestler of all time. Dude, you can't go wrong with any of your choices. Your overall pyramid was was fucking great. It was again, it, it checked every box. It hit every point you covered like every ground imaginable. There are some guys on your pyramid that I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about that. Or why didn't I factor that guy in? Like, it was awesome. Like, this is a good exercise, man. So thank you for that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. That was fun. That was very fun. I say we... Since we're in the world of content creating... Okay. Do we dare continue this idea? but use tag teams or should we kind of mull that over? 
and revisited some other town later. We'll we'll talk a little bit more off air about that, but I definitely okay. think that's something we we're we're looking into and looking forward to. All right, definitely. I know we have some things on our plate, and that's definitely one of them to come up neat. So, yeah, I think the uh, the tag team's top tier sounds pretty good. The uh, I mean, we can even do favorite you know pay reviews of all time. Okay, you know, you could do. Uh, Belt designs, favorite belt designs of all time. You know what I mean? Entrance themes. I was thinking of a few different things like that, you know? Even all the way down to favorite wrestling video games of all time. So, (laughs) and while all of them might not be the same depth of the pyramid, we can always do top 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Top twenties, top tens, you know, top fives even, and have more lists that way, you know. But definitely for that, thank you very much for that. That was a uh, very fun thing. Yeah. And on that note, we already gave our thanks for being thankful. So on that note, Ray, send them home. All right, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at DRightHookPod. And use the hashtag the right hook. Uh, if you want to do your top tier ones, follow us at the right hook podcast. Use the hashtag tier one top tier pyramid. And you can send us if you follow us on Twitter using those hashtags, or you can email us at rhrpodcast1 at gmail.com. And until next week, I'm right hook Ray. I'm Tom Casadega. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy. Love each other. ACS.